Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, it's also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Steve and Julie. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full, there's no space left for alcohol. In this episode, we share how we found hope in early recovery and how we maintain hope even when things get hard. We talk about looking back to see how far we've come and looking forward to the future, being able to recognize the potential. We discuss how we gain hope from other stories and how that inspires us to share our own. Hope is what keeps us going, even when we aren't sure it's worth it. Before we dive into this episode, I want you to tap your head, rub your belly, then hit subscribe. We're here tonight with our friends, Peter, Jess, and John. I'm going to have everybody introduce themselves first. Peter, do you want to go first? Sure. My name's Peter. Uh, My Instagram is you're better than the steps. And I discovered a little over a year ago how I thought about how I'd like to spread the word on just the, the the beauty of, of sobriety and, and that it, it's not so well, anyhow, that's why I'm here is that, uh, you know, it occurred, I went on Instagram to sell a skateboard and, and then I realized, Oh, I could use this for spreading my message yeah. and, and like yeah. learn about what other, you know, th- if there's other like-minded people out there and stuff like that. Awesome. Cool. And how long oh, have you been, been sober? Let's see. It, it was January 29th. Almost three years ago. So Okay. Right on. Really cool. Yeah. I've listened to some of your your messages on Instagram and I, I love the way that you think. So I'm really excited to hear what you have to share tonight. We will also include links to your Instagram in the show notes. So anybody who wants to can check it out and get to know you a little bit better. Jess, do awesome. you want to go next? Sure. My name is Jessica or Jess. I'm 36. I am a mom of two. I'm married. I live in Connecticut. And I've been sober. My last drink I had was August 12th of this year. So I'm still new to sobriety. That's great. That is fantastic. You're doing really good. And I've been reading Jessica's Instagram posts for a while. Your honesty and the way you tell your story is brilliant. And I think you just have so, so much to share. I'm really grateful for what you're doing. Thank you. And John, John is back for, I think the third episode. Third time. Number three. All right. You want to tell uh, us yeah. a little bit about yourself? I'm John. I'm here in Portland, Oregon. I've been sober for just about 14 months at this point. Yeah. I'm sure more will come up. Perfect. That'll work. (laughs) All right. So to introduce our topic tonight, this episode is going to be released right at the beginning of the year. And this feels like a really great time to talk about hope. A lot of us come into sobriety filled with hopelessness, despair, and desperation. But at some point, we have to find hope. It's the only thing that keeps us moving forward, even when things get hard or even when they seem impossible. So let's talk about it. What do you think hope means? Have you ever struggled to find hope? And where do you find it now? I 
I decided to stop drinking. I don't remember what prompted it. It was probably a horrible night and a horrible hangover. And one of my friends who pretty recently gave up alcohol recommended the book, This Naked Mind. And she said that she had quit cold turkey after reading it. So I read it. And after I read it, I was like full of all this hope. And I was excited to never drink again. And I, I had all these plans, you know, I was going to be this amazing mom, and I was going to, you know, cook breakfast for my kids before school every day. And I was going to get up at 6am on Sundays and put in a little laundry and drink coffee before the kids got up. And then as time went on, that initial excitement sort of wore off. And I started to have to actually feel my feelings and deal with cravings and situations where I used to drink and I really enjoyed drinking. And I'm in a weird place where I'm not, I'm not at the point where I feel like, oh my God, life is so much better without alcohol. I'm still uh, struggling quite a bit with it. And I'm still very hard on myself. And I guess what I'm trying to say is hope to me and what I hope to gain from staying sober and continuing this journey is just to feel good about myself and to get to a point where I do feel like life is so much better without alcohol. Look at all this stuff I can do now. Look at, I'm such, you know, I'm a better mom. I'm better at my job. I'm a better wife. So it's really just about, for me, it's about looking toward the future and thinking about how good things can be. I'm just, honestly, right now, I'm still struggling. and I'm just not quite there yet. Uh, I don't I think know. That's exactly it. You're, you're in that place where hope is what you have to be holding on to. So mm-hmm. You're what, you're three and a half months in or something like that. Like, yeah, it's about. so brutal at three and a half months. I think mm-hmm. you really have to just hold on to, I guess when I, I'm, I'm thinking back to when I was three and a half months and a lot of that was just hearing what other people had to say that were further along mm-hmm. that could convince me and, and make me believe it was really worth it, especially on the really, really hard days. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Peter, did you have something you were going to say? Well, hope is, is key. And I, I recommend meetings, by the way, it's good and bad. Right. I can't imagine having, you know, being successful without them, you know, in the beginning. Anyway, I, I recommend hitting them a lot, you know, first few months and then weekly, you know, it just is a, a powerful way to give yourself a new structure and and just to have that fellowship. What I would caution is that I I think there's a whole lot of misinformation there. You know, this stuff is all, all, I mean, unless you can find a non 12 step meeting, it's going to be based on this 90 year old stuff. Right. A lot of it is, it sounds real judgy and, and just negative. I mean, it's this notion that, that you've got to, 
work at this and work at this every single day forever. It, it, it's really dominant in there. And you'll hear stories from people about how they relapsed after 20 years or more simply because they stopped doing their steps mm-hmm. and it became a dry drunk. And I just, I think these ideas are kind of self-perpetuating. Like, you know, they, you, you hear this enough and you, all this rhetoric about this doom and gloom and you're just setting yourself up for this stuff. And I mean, the mind's a very powerful thing. And so it's, I, I just really wish that this behemoth, that we know is AA, you know, it, it just was a little more progressive and positive. Well, and I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's more positive meetings out there, you know. I the think whole, that, oh, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all what you want to take from it. I think you have a choice there. I think you can find hope anywhere if you're, if you have an open mind mm-hmm. enough to find it, right? Or to see it. it, it's it's everywhere you look. The problem is, is when you're hopeless, you, you you don't want to see it at all. You need someone to show it to you. So, like when I decided that I I was going to quit, I went to an AA meeting, and I didn't need anyone to say anything. It was a guy's forty fifth year sober, and I don't attend AA meetings now. I do attend meetings on a regular basis, but. It was his 40, 50 years sober. And I was just 24 hours, literally just 24 hours, like 24 hours away from telling my wife that I was going to quit and then drinking the booze as I was pouring it down the sink. And that's all I needed to see was some, some guy celebrating 45 years sober. And it was like, what did he, what is he doing? What is the message in that? Practice. Stay connected. This guy has stayed connected for 45 years. His connection was in the program. You can find connection anywhere. That's where you can find hope in the same place. That's what, so I was thinking about this topic earlier and I, this story just kind of came up. A group of us were talking yesterday and one of my friends was talking about how she wants so much to get to the point where she feels like she's good enough for herself, for her family, all of those things. And I think that's something we all struggle with. And she's, she's almost a year sober. And she was talking to us all about how she just feels like she may never get to that point. She's like, I keep working and I keep trying and I keep, you know, talking about these things and and learning this stuff and trying to go to therapy. And she's like, I feel like I'm never going to get there. And you can hear the hopelessness when somebody says, I feel like I just can't do it. I feel like it's never going to get there, whether it's staying sober or whether it's just conquering any other of our demons. When you get to the point where you feel like you can't get there, that's hopelessness. And the, the coolest thing about that conversation was there was a group of us and we all know her. She's, you know, we, we've known her for quite some time and everybody else was able to share with her all of the growth that we see, that we have seen over the course of the year. You know, I met her when she was six days sober and she's almost at a year now. And I was able to share with her what I see from the outside, that I can see all of this growth in her life and how far she's come. And, you know, there there were several of us that could share different perspectives like that with her. 
and it was 10 minutes later, you can see the hope on her face. Like you can see this deep breath of everything's going to be okay. It's still worth fighting. It's still worth, you know, struggling through all of these, these emotions. And it was just such a, a beautiful picture of hope happening. And so I was thinking about that today when I was thinking about the topic and like, like what has she done to get to that point? Because it was a beautiful example of sharing hope with other people. And I think the first thing she did was she showed up to a community, not AA, just, just a group of friends that are all sober. She showed up early and she allowed herself to be seen very honestly, very real. She shared her struggles. She shared the good stuff and the bad stuff and all of it. And we just built this friendship. And so because of that, then she feels safe enough to share this fear or this hopelessness. And then we all know her well enough that we can share with her the picture that we see. Because so often when we're in hopelessness, we don't see anything outside of what we're staring at right here. Like you get to the point where you're hopeless and you're blinded by depression and sadness and grief or anxiety or all these other things that just start crushing you and you can't see past them. But the people in your life that know you can see that for you and share that for you. And so I think whether it's AA or whether it's some other kind of meeting or whether you just have a group of friends that are all sober and understand the battle, in the end, it's the connection that gives the hope back to you when you start to lose it. I think connection with other people is is like front and center when it comes to finding hope. Yeah, I agree. Um, I can relate to your friend a lot as far as not feeling good enough and wondering if I'm ever going to get to the point where I do feel good enough and I think that was a huge reason why I was drinking. I was in this cycle of like, well, I feel horrible, not good at anything. I yelled at the kids yesterday or the laundry's piling up and I forgot to send a form back to school. So, I mean, I may as well drink two bottles of wine and then hit the beer because I am a terrible mom. So I was, it was just a cycle. It was like I was drinking and then feeling the effects of the drinking and not being able to perform the way I should as a human. And it just, you know, and then I felt depressed and I felt sorry for myself and I felt sorry for my kids. And then I would drink again and I would just, you know, it was like, whatever, I don't care. I would come home with another bottle of wine and my husband would be like, really? And I'd be like, I don't care. Like, you know, judge me if you want, I'm going to drink it. And I wanted to be held accountable when I decided to stop drinking. So I told my kids, I just said, mommy's not going to drink anymore. And the look on my son's face, he's eight and he just lit up and he was like, really? And I didn't realize how impacted he was from my drinking until I saw his reaction to me telling him that I wasn't going to drink anymore. And it's just, and that is what I hold on to when I have cravings and when I just want to give up and just, just one, you know, it's okay. I can moderate just one. And I think about that and like, I don't want to let him down. I don't want to, you know, slip ups are, are okay. It's a part of the process. I don't, I, I don't want to feel like I'm failing at anything else. <laughs> and I just, you know, I just, 
I have to keep looking for it. I have to keep going. And I'm, my kids are, I think any parent, right? Like our kids are everything to us and I would do anything to make them happy and to be, and be the best mom that I can be for them. So I feel like this is step one and I'm, I'm getting there. I have a lot to, to work through, but mm-hmm. I'm getting there. Thinking of his little face keeps me going. <laughs> I guess my my thoughts on like growth and and reaching that point maybe maybe circles back a little bit to like you know the work on on sobriety and I I kind of share that perspective that I'm, I'm I have this thought that I'm never going to be good enough for myself, but I think for me at least that's that's how I'm wired. The, mm-hmm. the thing that's most likely to change that would be like actually alarming. It would change me so much from who I am. The difference that I've gotten now is like, I don't have to be afraid of that anymore. You know, I can say, okay, you're, you're the kind of guy who keeps beating himself up and I can step back from it and say, okay, stop that. <laughs> and I can I can start doing that self exercise like you did in that group of saying like wait 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 where was I a year ago you know how was I dealing with it then and and so for me hope's a little a little tricky in terms of like I, I don't hope everything's going to be okay like I, I not that I would like it but I I don't realistically see that happening I guess for me hope revolves a lot more around. Um, avoiding how bad it got because back when I was drinking like there wasn't even a hope for a day that was adequate never mind being like good in anything accepting myself it wasn't even like meeting the bare minimum sometime so I think when I when I think about hope it's just like I'm going to get up tomorrow I'm going to be like a functional person and compared to where I've been like that's that's a lot that's a lot of reassurance going to bed being like it's not going to be one of those mornings again where you wake up feeling bad about yourself as a human being and like parent and like that that was awful I don't want to be back there and then some hope is like I don't have to do that I don't know how good it'll be but I don't have Mm -hmm. to go back to how bad it could be and and for me the that's not something I can hold out myself all day every day. I have to get it somewhere else and I, and I have to get it from other people in recovery somehow or another, whether it's meetings, podcasts, reading their stuff online, whatever it is, because the reassurance I get from people who, who aren't in recovery is it's not, not the same for me. I need to have people who sort of been through it and, and don't mind telling me every once in a while, like, this is horrible. I mean, I, I, I was at a meeting a few days ago where someone was speaking up and like, I remember what the topic was supposed to be something very positive, but by the end of it, we were all like, man, life's terrible today. And like, there's, there's an honest joy when you can all face that, right? Like that, <laughs> that's the kind of that hope is like, you know what? Life as you described is pretty bad and we're still all here and still sober. That's some powerful hope. Right. No, there is there is something to be said for reflecting back and looking where you came from and acknowledging 
the the positives and acknowledging the growth and how much better everything has gotten. I guess if I look at where I was a year ago, it was bad. Like I was a year ago, I was two months sober. I was like clawing my way out of this miserable pit of hopelessness and self-loathing. And a year later, like life is okay. Life isn't perfect, but life is better than I think I ever could have hoped that it would be. And so then that makes me think, what could it look like in another year? Or what could it look like in five years? So I think there's a little bit of that that backward reflection that kind of helps us gain, gain some hope for the future too. It's seeing someone else overcome something that you still need to overcome. Hmm. Sometimes it's hope is just watching the example of someone doing something you wish you could do. Right. So, you know, somebody in, in the recovery community, somebody tells you one of a, a part of their story and it just so happens to be a reflection of yours that you haven't gotten over yet. Yeah. And for the first time ever, and I think we've all experienced this at some point, is is like son of a bitch i can do this like you turn i can't into i can and as soon as i can't turns into i can because you saw someone else overcome that fear or that obstacle or whatever that may be that's where i found that's where i've found hope in a lot of other people because i certainly couldn't find it in myself mm-hmm. and then there's a whole bunch of people that have found hope in in me i don't even know but it happens it happens all the time anytime jess put a po- out a post peter you send out a video there's a chance and that's all that matters is that chance yeah i i've been <laughs> thinking about how much of the stuff out there in you know the the recovery community and rehab and and the meetings the quitlet seems aimed at convincing you to get sober which i i think that's my frustration like what's the point like you know i mean there's a fine line between trying to convince someone they should get sober and helping to reinforce the this decision they've already made right but I guess it just seems like what I, I, I'm hearing from a lot of people on Instagram is that there was just a time, a moment where it just clicked, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and it became so much easier for them at that point. And it was, and that's what's led me to believe that basically that this 90% failure rate that you hear about is, is so much larger than, than reality because those people just weren't ready. You know, like when you're ready, nothing can stop you. I mean, that's my message of hope is like when you're really done. And I mean, I I, and but okay, that's the thing that I've really been kind of tripping on lately is darn it. I could have been ready when I was 20. Okay, I'm 52. (laughs) So I was almost 50 before I got sober. I, I got sober briefly at 17. And I made this little mental note. Hey, I like this. I didn't even, I went all day today. I didn't even think about getting high once. This, this, this is the stuff. I, I, I'm, I'm going to never forget that. 
And yet I waited 30 something years. And so I guess that's <laughs> on the one hand, I'm saying if you have to be ready. And on the other, I'm saying, darn it. What, what was the most the message that could, could convince 17 year old Peter? And I think 25 year old Peter, you know, because by 25, I think I had partied enough, you know, I had gotten it all out of my system. Obviously not. <laughs> right. Well, no. Obviously hey. not, Peter. That's why that's why we're all out here sharing whatever message it is we have to share though, because you never know which person needs to hear what thing someone right. has to say. And you know, what I say may click with one person and what you may you say may click with another. And I think that's the beauty of all of these different platforms in general. And even just sharing it in meeting. And you know, whether it's a post or a blog or a podcast, that's where the hope comes from. There's going to be one person who has a story that clicks and makes someone realize maybe I can do that too. And I think that's, it's just so important. It's, I remember so I, my, my rock bottom moment was totaling my car on the side of the road. I had a fence post, had a meltdown. It was dramatic. It was mortifying. Probably like my greatest source of shame. And I remember like six, maybe six weeks in, I, w- I was writing a, a post, a blog post about how feeling like I'm never going to be able to get over that shame and that humiliation. I'm never going to be able to move past this. I'm going to be drowning in regret and guilt for the rest of my life. Like I could not see any way out of it. And I remember somebody coming back who was three years sober they're like I did the same thing and they told me their story and it was so so similar and they're like I got past it you can get past it too and just hearing that hearing that somebody else had done the same thing and seeing that they were okay they were thriving they were you know in in a really great place that's what it took for me to believe that I just needed to keep doing it because you get to that point where you're like I'm never going to get over this this shame and this regret I might as well just drink because it's never going to get any better. And there's that one person with that one story out there that clicks. I'm like, oh, okay, if they can do it, it's worth holding on and trying a little bit longer. Yeah, I can I can boil down the like the entire story of my sobriety to, to two one-hour stretches. And I could give you like dates and times because they're so specific. And the first is just like the first day waking up like, you know, sick and tired of being sick and tired, finally unable to go on like this and and just face anything at all. And that was the first I even tried sort of seriously. And I think Peter, like, as you're saying, like, this was the ready moment. This was it. Like this went from bad stories. I told myself that were never going to come true about quitting drinking to like actually doing something, anything. And then the other was, you know, 10, 11 months later, having had some success in reducing how much I was drinking, but really unable to hold on to it at length. Yeah, finally going to my first meeting. Later that hour of listening to someone else, and I'm like, man, I do all that stuff too. Like, all the excuses about why I'm going to the grocery store, like that whole business of like rotating which liquor store you buy your booze at so people notice. I'm like, dude, I'm home. Here I am. Yeah. And, and yet, it, yeah, I agree. It wouldn't have worked at another time in my life. I, I kind of wish in some ways it would, but honestly, it wouldn't be the same story anymore. It wouldn't really be me. And it kind of needs me to have been through 
some of what I went through to, to get to that point, you know, and, and part of what really stands out for me, like what really, maybe not hope, but thinking of the word peace, where my peace really comes in is that like, I'm getting to a point where I don't, I don't spend as much time in my own head about what, about some of that in the past, like about all those times I knew perfectly well that I had a problem and didn't do anything about it. Of all the warning signs I blew off, it is what it is, you know, and now, now I just got to go forward. And I don't know where I picked that up. That's one I don't know. But I sure didn't come up with it myself. Something happened along the way, and it was from other people being able to be like, look, okay, you don't have to do that. And so, yeah, it's still a lot of work. It's still not easy at times. And I don't, I, I guess, again, thinking of like, this is how it's going to be for me. Yeah but I don't have to look back like I used to. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Hope is looking forward and seeing, or at least, I don't know, it's just the future. It's kind of cliche, but you can't really appreciate when things are good unless you've experienced things when they're bad. And part of me wishes I didn't have to have gone through a lot of the things I went through and I wish you know, I wish like Peter was saying, I could have stopped in my twenties or, you know, all of the other times that I woke up, like I'm never drinking again. That was so embarrassing. What happened last night? I feel terrible, but I didn't, I just, it wasn't the right time. And there was this past time, I don't know what it was. I can't pinpoint it, but it did feel different. I had just had enough. I just, like I was completely disgusted with myself and I just couldn't. And to be perfectly honest, I think I would have lost my marriage if I didn't stop. I mean, my husband is super patient and he has been there for me through horrible times, but he was at his wits end and he just couldn't watch me do what I was doing to myself and have the kids be affected. And part of me is grateful for everything I went through because Mm -hmm. I have a completely different look on the situation or view on the situation. I have so much empathy for people who struggle with addiction or just any, any hard times. I have a lot of empathy and I hope my kids don't have to go through half the stuff I went through, but I'm glad that I went through it so that I have the knowledge to hopefully give them, you know, whether it's just like I'm a truly empathetic ear to listen to them or I can offer them advice that maybe they'll take. (laughs) But um, I don't know. I just, you know, I feel part of me feels grateful that I did go through that because I feel strong. I feel I have a lot to work on, but I feel like I have a lot of the tools that I need to make the positive changes and make good choices and teach my kids and help other people. That's why I started the Instagram and I wanted to be super honest. And because a lot of the Instagrams I read it in the Quitlet, it does help a lot. It's what, I mean, even now I'll put my phone on to a podcast while I shower, but I just, I couldn't find anyone that was like brutally honest. Like I wanted to really lay out 
how horrible things got, how embarrassing things got, how like I was just, I was a mess. And I just want people to see like, look, you're not the only one. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, like, <laughs> you know, it, it was me and I chose to stop and I just like, I refuse to go back. <laughs> I just can't, I can't. Yeah. The vulnerability that you share, like the, the way that you write, it allows people to feel like they're connecting with you. It allows other people to release some of their shame. It allows you to release your shame. There's mm-hmm. so, so much value. In, and that's what, you know, we all find community in different ways. And that's that's how you found yours. And yeah, I mean, it, that is, that, that's community. That's where we find hope is, is in all of the sharing and all of the sharing of the stories. I think it's just beautiful what you're doing and very brave, very, mm-hmm. very brave. It gets so much better and e- and easier, you know. But you hear you're already saying, Jess, that you you can't go back. And believe you me, you you don't ever have to. And you will always have what you've learned, the experience you've had. And I mean, you're on a beautiful journey, you know, to you, and and just loving yourself and being your best self three months, three and a half months. There are these milestones, you know, I'm sure at three months, you felt a sense of relief and a sense of strength. And at four, you'll experience that again and again. And, you know, six months is a big one. The one year is a big one, but you're not done yet. You know, it, it, but one year, I mean, there is, it's physiological mm-hmm. that your, your body is still recovering. Your brain is, and, and we're not just, in, in terms of like the chemical balance of like how you feel, but your cognitive abilities, you know, are, are still recovering. And it's, it's, um, it's awesome. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's empowering. I mean, we've been living our lives with being tied down, you know, with like, we've been making it harder on like, it's like we're dragging a weight around, you know, living our lives and, this weight is being taken off more and more every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's the weight of undealt with stuff. It's the, it's the weight of undealt with life. And this is all as, my baggage right here. Yeah. It's, just yeah. it's the weight of, of, of undealt with stuff instead of actually dealing with it and facing it. Yeah. If you just drink it away, you don't ever drink anything away. You just ignore it. It just stops it from existing for the time being. It comes back because it's never been dealt with. What you're doing, Jess, when you're airing airing it all out like that, is is your it's, it's like you know a backpack full of clothes, and you're gonna take that dirty one out, and you're gonna hang it up, and you're gonna keep walking. And as as long as you keep on walking, you say, "Yep, yeah, I left that one back there. That's part of me. That's still my clothes." But it'll be all right. I'm not going to go back and grab that one because I don't need it anymore. I It's done serving me. I've learned that lesson. And that is basically what hope is. I mean, reflecting back and acknowledging where you came from. That in, in, in and of itself, where you started from. You don't ever want to go back there. Jess, you mentioned it. John... Julie, even Peter, you know, like 
finding that self-worth. It takes time, but it's there. When everyone says it gets better, even when it doesn't feel like it in that moment, it does. And I think one thing that Julie said, grateful from where you came from, feeling grateful for it. Jess, I think you mentioned that too. That's right where hope is right there. Yes. Pretty much the center of it. We can find it in ourselves, but when we can't find it in ourselves, you have community and you ask for help, they reflect it right back to you. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, John. And thank you, Jess, for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having us. We'd also like to thank our listeners for sharing this space with us. Remember to subscribe or follow to keep getting new content. And if you have any comments or topic suggestions, you can email us at throughtheglassrecovery at gmail.com. We'll see you next time as we continue to explore life on the other side of alcohol.